It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. The Discover Winter Event is on now. They're blowing out remaining 2023 GMCs. Discounts up to $8,000 plus 0% financing. Visit WolfGMCBuick.com. I'm liking the the kind of the mellow mood of the of, of our you know bumpers today. They're just kind of a, a kind of a twangy, relaxed sitting by the pool. Maybe you know in January somewhere warm like Cancun, and the the band that plays Santana covers hasn't hit the pool area yet, and we're just kind of mellowing out maybe with our cassette player or something like that. I like it. This hour, Daniel Nugent Bowman will join us from The Athletic, talk about his very interesting interview with Jeff Jackson about the orders and where they are. And the, the I felt like it was a really good look inside, like from 10,000 feet, if you could open up, you know, Rogers and just look inside, you might see Jeff Jackson, Ken, Brad Holland, uh, Keith Gretzky, maybe Parcati or somebody from analytics, you know, in a room talking. What's this guy like? And that's going to be important because there are targets, but it's a price point. And if you're the Oilers and you're offering the 2024 first, that's probably going to land between 24 and 32. So it's not as sexy as maybe another team that is closer to being outside the playoffs. And then if you're offering, you know, young players aside from the first there's two first, 24 and 25, and there's a second round pick this year. Aside from those three picks, the owners just don't have enough exciting prospects. If you include Holloway and Broberg, they do, and maybe that will happen. That's the subject of my article uh, the last couple of days at The Athletic. If you're going to, tra- if you, if you want to trade for Elias Lindholm, you're going to have to include Dylan Holloway or Philip Broberg. If you're going to trade for Jake Gensel, uh, you're going to have to do the same as well. If you want to check down, and offer the 2024 first-round pick for Adam Henrique and Sean Monahan. maybe that gets done. But if you're all in, then you're all in, you know? And, I mean, I like both Henrique and, and Monahan, and we had Rachel Dory on yesterday, and she likes both as well. Maybe a first-round pick doesn't. But, but I hear, you know, people clamoring for Elijah Lindholm. I don't think you get there with a first-round pick and Xavier Borgo and whatever. If you send Holloway and the first-round pick and something else to make the money work, I think you're a lot closer. But it's my own belief that other teams will offer more and land those players. What has Aloft offered a lot for Matthias Ekholm last year? And he wasn't a pure rental. I like Vladimir Tarasenko as well from the Ottawa Senators. You know, can you imagine him on a line with Leon? And Arthur Kaliev is a player that I that I really like a lot. I don't know that the Otis would even be interested in trading for him. It's not like he's proven. He's an unproven guy. But he's under control. He doesn't cost a lot. That's a guy that I would be interested in. Guys, if the Otis don't land a big name, what would you think about Jack Roslovic from Columbus? Scored over 20 years, uh, 20 goals last year. And would cost little to nothing from Garrett. I think it, I, a lot of these guys are going to come down to price point. Like, what is their cap, and how can it fit in? And the 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 thing about remember what he did a year ago. People are mad about Mike Kesselring, but he shoehorned 
a couple of contracts in right at the end by having people buy, like Arizona took on some cap and it just barely was, was, was allowable, but they got it in. So you're looking at a $4 million cap hit for Ross Levick. And he scored 20, two, 10 points in 26 games this year. I don't think he's high on the radar, and I know he won't cost a lot, but that cap hit is the problem. You have to play Keith Whitley, Miami, Miami. Miami. You're welcome from SO. I just always, like, I really like Keith Whitley, but I keep playing the same song. I'm out driving, and that Keith Whitley song was a great ear dunk. You bet. Very talented. LT, when do you think Holland will make a move, Willie, right before the deadline, or will he make a move shortly before the or after the All-Star break? They just had pro scouting meetings last week, I think, so they must already know what they're looking at. Well, they know who they're looking at and who, what they're looking at, but here's what they don't know. They have some guys. They, they plugged in some solutions, and they're working. Calvin Pickard is working. Uh, Dylan Holloway, early days, is working. Corey Perry, they're just starting out. You want to see these guys in action for the month of February. I think, and then somewhere along the way, there will be an injury or, you know, they'll say, okay, we're going to check mark Calvin Pickard and Stuart Skinner. That is no longer a worry. And we're going to get a seventh defenseman, but it can be a seventh defenseman. It can be Jordan Osterley. And I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying that that's the guy they would get or are interested in. You see, like they, they have time. The, the winning streak allowed Ken Holland to take have you ever watched um, a pressure cooker? Have you ever wa- like watched when you're making tea and you put the kettle on and, and starts to make a noise and then all of a sudden it's whistling? Well, it was whistling November, December, and part of January for Ken Holland, and now it's off the stove and it's cooled. There's no pressure for Ken Holland. And remember, he slow plays everything. I think he takes over an hour to order food. I don't know that's true. But based on his moves he makes... Everybody say he's got to do this, and he never got to do anything. Ken Holland is not a guy you're going to be able to push. It's a good quality to have, or a bad one, depending upon how you look at it. Twang Tuesday, you say, play. Why did you leave my by Lee Marlowe? You'll start crying again on the air. From, when's the last time I cried on the air? I don't remember. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you myself. We obviously have a short lifespan together, so I was thinking this must have been something way back I in the day. I may have cried when I talked about my wife, uh, which was back in November of uh, uh, like 14 months ago. But I don't recall crying between then and now. I mean, I bitch and moan. That could be, you know, what he's talking about. Role play. Ba-da-da. You're, you are Raphael Lavoie. My God. Do I ever feel better than I did a minute ago? I'm Raphael Lavoie. I'm now 24. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the bar. No, I'm not. I'm just teasing. Uh, how do you feel about your game right now? Do you see an opportunity either way in Edmonton next year? Bonus question. What do you do for Ryan Holt to get a dinner invitation? Well, that's a good question, Bones. Number one, if I'm, if I am, uh, Raphael Lavoie, I sign, Whatever the Oilers put in front of me this coming off season, because I do think I got a shot. They're going to need value contracts, and they're going to need to develop players. 
I wrote about it this uh, in the blog this morning. A year ago, they had five rookies. Stuart Skinner, Dylan Holloway, Philip Broberg, Vincent DeHarnay, who doesn't qualify as a rookie, but he was one, and Marcus Niemelainen. Five rookies who came to the NHL and showed at least something that shows you they, they could be NHL players for years to come. This year, James Hamblin, who's a fourth-line guy who doesn't have a lot of offense, Raphael Lavoie, who played very little, and Phil Kemp, who played one game. Now, they have guys in the minors, but they're not pushing. Max Warner will push next year. I believe Xavier Borgo will recover and push next year. Right now, Raphael Lavoie has true value. And the orders, you, you have to invite people to camp who have a chance to win and chance to be in the roster. And they've got a bunch of guys that are older and slower on this team. Perry, Yanmark, Ryan, Ernie. They're not all coming back next year. The, the opportunity for Lavoie is right there, but it has to work. And they run so close to the cap or have in the past that even, you know, 50 grand can make a difference. Hello, I see Lindholm will be way too expensive, preferably use picks to get some upgrades and depth like Duclair, Monaghan, Lavushkin, or Sealer. Have a nice day from Rod. I don't, I think Sealer's going to sign. That's my, that's my own belief. He'll sign. Yanmark is one million. They think it shipped him out to make some room. No, I think he's good on the penalty kill, and I I think they like him for the reasons that you would like somebody who's a veteran. You know, he's he's the he's the modern equivalent, although not the same player, of Yaroslav Pozar. Yanmark's uh, a, a smart player, a good penalty killer, chips in a little bit offensively. Pozar was like a steamroller on skates. Low Tide, I think number two right winger is the most important ad for Leon and the team. I would look at uh, current clients of Jackson's former agencies with no trade clauses. That way the player can control where they go. That could mitigate the draft capital cost of acquisition from Nick M. Number two right winger is an interesting item. I think Tarasenko would be a good one. I think Lindholm would be a good one too, even though he's a center. You could move him over there. I'm sorry, I'm just stuck on Kaliev. Also, Gensel can play right wing, but he would be expensive. Low tide. People need to get over the whole Kesselring deal. Kesselring doesn't crack our lineup this year or next year or last year. Gordoyle. Gordoyle, other fans don't do that. They overreact. Certain segments overreact to whatever the whatever's coming down the pipeline, Right? You lost Kesselring for nothing. Or, you know, you picked up a guy who was able to play center for you through the rest of the season and into the playoffs, and you got Arizona to eat a little bit of money in order to do that. At the time, didn't work out, didn't win the Stanley, but at the time, it was a pretty interesting deal. You see, there's two viewpoints there, and we used to be able to put them together and say, you know, it's a, you can see what he did there, you don't want to lose the player, but now we don't do that. We say, put him in jail because he traded Kessel Ring. Or what the hell was he thinking acquiring that guy? Like being a general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, I can't imagine it's a whole hell of a lot of fun. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, you probably get to eat really well. The hours aren't great, but you, you know, the pay's good. I have a wish list of Monaghan to Foley and Bogosian. Interesting names. 
Not sure how they fit in. They may have to send out Yan, Mark, and Ryan. I really like Monaghan. I really like Toffoli. I'm interested and intrigued by the name Bogosian. I had not heard that. I think Gregor mentioned it on Friday. Maybe. At what point, uh, this is from Vin, at what point are the Oilers burning assets trading for players they don't actually need to win a Stanley Cup? There's been an intelligent sweet spot uh, where they don't necessarily need to get Lindholm and other big names to win. Less addition may very well be enough. How do you see it? It's a, a sticky wicket. I, I I will tell you that that I was a big fan of Peter Shirelli loading up in 2011 for the Boston Bruins, and they won. And yet, when he was hired here in Edmonton, one of the key key things that people did used uh, as a hammer against him was the uh, acquiring of Caberlet, the Toronto defenseman. They're like they didn't even need him. Well, you don't know that on the other side of the the, the equation. That we've lost nuance is what I'm saying. I think if you win a Stanley Cup then it's almost like when you go to confession. All the sins of the past are dissolved. Not that you're going to go do the same thing again, Larry, but you 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 are now forgiven and you move along. I don't think the world works like that anymore, but it used to when I was a young man in my formative years, like our friend Declan who was doing something unusual over there that I'm not going to talk about. Okay, on the way, we're going to talk to Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic about his article, interview with Jeff Jackson. It was very interesting and I think informative and I do believe every Oiler fan should read it. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. And the only thing our next guest is pouring now is like apple juice into a sippy cup. Daniel Nugent Bowman joins us now from The Athletic. How are you, sir? Well, uh, oh, come on. The kids aren't here right now. I, I don't need a sippy cup. But but if it's the thing that's most handy, I'll probably take it. So, you, you got me pegged pretty well. I have uh, I have stuff from when my kids were small that are, are still useful, so I still have them, and they just roll their eyes because a sixty two year old man with uh, you know like the SpongeBob SquarePants uh, you know uh, cup not exactly cool, but I don't care. It still works, Daniel. Yeah, there's lots of stuff like that in my parents' house. So when yeah. my when we when we go visiting them uh, in the summertime. Um, my kids are now the beneficiaries, or I don't know if that's the right word. It's, that stuff's pretty well used. But yeah. Well, anyway. uh, so yeah, they they get to they get to take uh, dad and, and their uncle and aunt's uh, stuff from from long time ago. I don't I don't uh, take out my Powerpuffs plates anymore when when we have uh, people over though. So I've I've <laughs> I've changed my way. Uh, I loved your article, your your interview with Jeff Jackson. Uh, for lots of different reasons, and we'll get into them. But I, after an interview like that, because it was wide-ranging, obviously, I always like to ask the person doing the interviewing, what stood out to you most or what was most surprising or what did you you know, raise a, an eyebrow when you heard? Yeah, thank you, Al. Um, I, I thought he was, he was pretty, kept things pretty close to the vest, but there were a couple things that, that stood out, and, and I, I think uh, one, obviously, I, I asked um, Jeff Jackson about... Um, you know the rental market uh, or players on expiring um, deals, and that's something that Ken Holland has, has not really wanted to venture down before in terms of giving up really good assets for a first round pick or a high prospect. And he did say, you know, that's on the table. Like that's something. Everything is on the table. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Oilers are going to go uh, above and beyond or be reckless in terms of making that type of trade. Um, but I think it is on the table, and, and that's warranted to me. I mean. Um, coming into the year, the Oilers were, um, you know, top three, top five, whatever, cup contender. Uh, obviously had a really rocky start. Um, 
but have certainly righted the ship now and look like uh, clearly one of the more elite teams in the, in the league. So um, when you have that type of team and you have, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl, um, not only at the, probably the peak of their powers are close to it uh, and, and where they are in their contracts, um, you have to go for it, um, you know, you know, future be damned really at this point. Um, and, and so, again, I don't think the orders are going to be reckless, but um, if there's a move there that uh, that can potentially put them over the top, I, I think they're they're more um, likely to do it than, than in years past. I think the other thing that really stood out was um, his – his praise of Chris Knobloch naturally, mm-hmm. but what he felt was missing under Jay Woodcroft. And that was kind of a, um, uh, what he felt was like a cohesive team where everyone had roles, um, specific roles that they could buy into. And, and I mean, you, you're seeing that obviously with, with penalty killers, uh, you know, six penalty killing forwards kind of getting the line share of the minutes and, and kind of taking ownership of that role um, as, as a prime example of, of guys that, that uh, have defined more defined roles and and uh, are kind of more uh, valued per se on this team. But um, oddly enough, that was something when Jay Woodcroft first came aboard or the weeks after he first came aboard, uh, you know, less than two years ago now that that guys like Derek Ryan were really talking about. So uh, it'll be interesting to me over the next, you know, several weeks and, and year or two years or whatever if Chris Knobloch is still, you know, coaching the same way or, or if he skews more toward veterans at that point. Because uh, that was something, again, that, that Jay Woodcroft got a lot of credit for when he first uh, when he first uh, joined the Oilers. I think that's a great insight. And it also points out the fact that that sometimes when we, you know, any of us are looking at an issue and a new coach comes in, it's, that we're very quick to, to acknowledge or give credit for. And, and I don't know how to quantify, you know, opening up the window and letting fresh air in in March, but I know it's, it's, it's a good thing. Craig McTavish once said when he left the organization as coach, he said he'd been too long at the fair. That was his word. And sometimes a, a, a welcome, especially in an intense situation like this, doesn't last a long time for the fans. But Woodcroft, you know, it, it, three series have been won by Woodcroft in, in his two seasons that he were two plus seasons that he was here. That's a, that's a lot. And the slow start cost him his job, but the bounce that they've had, in your opinion, is it is it now past like the coaching change because they've been so good for so long? Uh, just looking at it from the point of view of not trying to frame you know a story and, and get ahead of it and be able to, to to quantify it or chronicle it, but it seems to me like the the penalty killing being an example, they really seem to have fixed that, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot kind of to to, to talk about here, and I, and I think. Um, you know, he first of all he touched on you know Craig McTavish's comment. I, I don't think Jay Woodcroft had been there too long at, at the ferry. I mean, he'd, he'd barely been here, really, right? Um, but clearly, a different voice comes in, a different leader comes in, and, and there's no question that Jeff Jackson is is running the ship uh, or guiding the ship. Um, you know, coming in uh, as uh, somebody who's uh, above Ken Holland as Ken Holland's contract is coming to an end here, and we we all think. Um, that it's probably the end of, the, of his tenure here coming up pretty soon. Um, you know, it, it, it cost Jay Woodcroft his job with a few lousy games out, out of the first 12. Um, obviously, we know he got fired through 13 games, but the decision had been made by that point. So uh, the rope here, um, 
you know, I, I don't, I don't have any information to suggest that the rope was short coming into the season. Why would it be when you have Connor McDavid, you know, midway through the playoff uh, run last year saying that he, he thought Jay Woodcroft was a top five coach in the league, but um, you know, um, Jeff Jackson in, in my interview said, you know, we needed to make a change. Like we, we felt we, did, we were running out of time or, uh, you know, where the season could have come, um, come up in, in smoke. Uh, and then you bring in Chris Knobloch and I, I just, I think he's been a really calming influence on this group. Um, yeah, we talked a lot about the penalty kill, def- defining roles, defining roles within the coaching staff too, a little bit. Um, I don't want to say a little bit more, but a little bit different, differently um, and giving Mark Stewart, who was, you know, the, the third assistant coach really under, under Jay Woodcroft, uh, a lot more, um, you know, authority to run the PK. Obviously we, we've talked a lot about, you know, Paul Coffey and, and, you know, kind of, I, I wouldn't want to say too simplistic or a very simplistic approach to the defense, but clearly defining what they, what he wants out of them in terms of puck moving and trying to instill a little bit of confidence in that group. And then you get some good goaltending too. So, I mean, there are some um, facets that as I touched on with, um, with uh, Jay, or sorry, with uh, Jeff Jackson in the interview that uh, there were some things early on in the season that were probably under or out of Jay Woodcroft's control in terms of injuries, you know, goaltending, not playing well, um, you know, just some bad puck luck. Um, so Knobloch gets those bounces now, but he's, he and his staff have clearly done a very good job too. I mean, you don't go 60 years, uh, 26 and six through 32 games with, without doing, um, without doing a good job. So he and his staff deserve some credit. Um, they also, uh, were the beneficiaries of, of some things just working in their favor too, that didn't happen early on in the year. Daniel Nugent Bowman, our guest from The Athletic, talking about his very good interview with Jeff Jackson that's up on The Athletic right now. I recommend you read it. I was interested in in uh, his tone and the sound of what he was saying. Uh, you obviously know that. We don't. Uh, in regard to Ken Holland, I remember Holland, there was a succession plan that involved, I think, Scotty Bowman, Jim Devolano, and Holland that saw Holland rise up to be the general manager uh, in the late 1990s. And I, I always thought that Holland might prefer that kind of a succession here in Edmonton that could involve Brad Holland. What was your sense when you were talking to him about Ken Holland and his future? Yeah, I mean, it's in the interview that um, there, and this has been kind of the word every time either Ken Holland has been asked and, and Jeff Jackson too, that they're, I mean, they're really focused on the season in terms of this is a Stanley Cup. Uh, I don't know, you know, it's usually Andre Settle's terminology at the end of the year uh, last season that that is like cup or bust uh, i don't know probably say the same thing again uh now but it's it's clear this is their window and, and they want to win um so they they don't want to whether it's um you know with ken hall and talking about his future too much or with um you know i, I asked him a little bit about uh, leon dreisaitl and, and what the expectation was from the organization because dreisaitl um, is eligible to sign an extension uh, on July 1st or after. Um, both of those scenarios, you know, um, Jeff Jackson saying, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on right now in the present. We'll, we'll deal with that stuff later. You know, I, my sense, though, is, again, I, I do think this is Ken Holmes last year. You know, I, we'll see if, if something changes that would would warrant or, or cause that to change. Um, you know, I, I think... Jackson coming in here, time to learn a little bit under Ken Holland and also kind of change the direction of the team a little bit. You, you saw in the article um, just how analytically inclined uh, this front office now seems to be that where it wasn't nearly that way in the past. Um, and, you know, you bring in Michael Parcati, um, 
Kevin Wall is mentioned, obviously, by, by Jeff Jackson on the piece, working under Brad Hall and uh, obviously Ken's son, who's certainly a lot more analytically inclined and, the po- uh, and, and is the director of pro scouting here. So whoever succeeds Ken Hall, and I believe will be someone who, um, I don't know what experience, but will be somebody a lot more analytically inclined. I don't think it'll be an old school general manager. I don't think uh, it'll be somebody who... Um, who, who really, you know, is looking at the eye test above all else. It'll be somebody who's, who's um, looking at the numbers, looking at the data a lot more than, than what has occurred here in the past. Um, who that guy is, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I think that's the way the organization uh, is headed under Jeff Jackson here. Daniel, I know you, you did address or ask about the Leon Dreisaitl contract. I remember when he signed the, the last one, his agent, Mike Lee, disregarded the the year where he was uh, Drysaddle was uh, sent back to junior and ended up getting a pretty strong contract at the time, mm-hmm. and I and I wonder from the point of view of having Jackson at the the front of hockey ops and his his background not just you know in hockey or with hockey teams but also as an agent, um, do you think that helps the Leon Drysaddle negotiations with Leo? I'm not sure um, in that regard. I guess I'll say that. Jackson would probably know pretty well how these contracts are bargained and how um, and, and kind of what to look for from a from an agent slash player side of things. So now he's probably taking that information and and, and going the other side of it, right? Like the Oilers have been the beneficiaries of a, of a very team friendly contract, and I, I know when it was signed, uh, people kind of uh, criticized Peter Shirelli for not holding down the hammer a little bit more. Obviously, that contract was bargained with Connor McDavid going first and getting the $12.5 million. And then you're looking at Leon. You know, the way it worked was the Oilers were looking at Leon Dreisaitl of being X of a player, uh, percentage of a player behind Connor McDavid. And so, he, he, you know, he got 8.5 rather than, you know, some of his peers – um, you know, relatively comparable players like, uh, you know, Brad Marchand and, and Nathan McKinnon and, and Mark Scheifele getting kind of in the $6 million. So, I mean, obviously, if the Oilers had got a dry settle in that range, um, it would have been a, just that much more of a bargain. But he's still at 8.5. Um, you know, it was only a couple of years into that deal that he was really outplaying um, the value of that deal and the Oilers were getting a real win. Um, Dreisaitl, you know, I wrote, we talked about this and I wrote about it uh, a few weeks ago now uh, after the William Nylander signed his extension with Toronto. Um, when that contract kicks in, Dreisaitl will be a couple weeks short being 30 years old. Um, you know, he's not the skater that Connor McDavid is, um, uh, you know, you know, doesn't have them as much speed and all that. Could that could that contract you know at eight by the end of that that con the contract if it's eight years be less than desirable for a team yeah maybe but Leon Draisaitl has also proven to be a heck of a hockey player you know top three top five top ten however you want to whatever you want to call him however you want to classify him um, you know he's, he's coming into this year for the previous you know five years he was the um, the leading goal scorer of the league. Um, he's had very little in the way of, of injuries. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who's going to get paid. Um, so I think it'll come down to whether the Oilers, you know, and being a little bit more analytically inclined, will they, will they, you know, look at agent curves a little bit more than in the past? Will they kind of go down that route or will they really just value, uh, having Leon Dreisaitl 
for eight, probably eight years. And with the first half or, or more being very good and them trying to kind of extend their window a little bit longer and just willing to maybe swallow the last, you know, the, the a bit of a poison pill for lack of a better term on, on the last couple or three years or something. Um, that's, I think the determination that, that this management group has to make. There's, there's a little bit of trade off there from both sides. But there's no question whether it's with the Oilers or with somebody else that Leanne Dreisaitl is going to get paid on his next deal. Final question for you, Daniel. Today I've been regaling people with the idea of the Oilers' luck and randomness, and they all loved the conversation. But I wanted to address it with you and and put it in the context of the solutions the Oilers have put together, and they look like they're working. Calvin Picard as the backup uh, goaltender. Uh, Corey Perry in one game, he looked really good. You want to audition that. Dylan Holloway's recall has gone well early days. Uh, how much, in your opinion, will the Oilers... I, I suspect they'll get a number seven defenseman. But even if things go well with Perry, Holloway, Picard, and others, Pickard, uh, d- do you see him being active for two de- deals or three deals, or do you think it might just be a backup uh, or a seven defenseman? Yeah, I, do, I don't like it. And I looked at kind of the, uh, the, the, the assets that the Oilers have in trades, and they don't have, you know, very many of them. And there, you know, there is the cap to kind of look at, too. So, um, I, th- I think the Oilers will try to make a big, bigger swing. Uh, I know you you touched on that, Al. Uh, I think that's a, the hope. I, th- I think if you're looking at a big, bigger swing, you're looking at probably like a second line winger. Um, that will kind of involve some t- tinkering with the group, and, and that will probably, if not in the same trade, cause a, you know a, a subsequent trade to clear money. Uh, a la, um, you know, Jesse Pooley Arby being, being moved out to kind of facilitate the the Ekholm. Uh, trade that obviously Tyson Berry went in that too, but they would need to move some money. Um, and, 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 you know, Jeff Jackson talked about um, not kind of not wanting to mess with, with chemistry a little bit too. Right. So they obviously have a pretty well-balanced team now. Um, you know, the, the six defensemen have played basically the entire year and going back to January of, of last year, really, um, you know, they have some depth in the organization too. That's not even on the roster with, with Philip Robert, whether or not he's a, you know, he is a, tr- a trade chip, and whether or not they, they use it um, is another thing. So, I mean, you look at guys that they can move. Obviously, Brett Kulak's name comes to mind, Cody, Cody Cece. I talked a lot about Warren Fogel early in the year, but, I mean, he's been one of your better forwards, and he's been on an expiring contract. I think you probably want to keep him around. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to have to clear a little bit of money, um, uh, and they have to kind of balance what they um, – what they uh, what how the, how the dressing room looks because it seems like a good one right now. Uh, I do expect them to make a couple moves, and, and, I, and I agree. I, I think they're getting a seventh defenseman regardless. Uh, after that, it depends on how um, how uh, how much they want to push the envelope and, and what they can actually do based on the kind of salary con- con- excuse me salary cap constraints and uh, the lack of assets really that they do have to move. Uh, in order to how big of a splash they can actually make. So I, I lied about final question. I have one more. The, the, this year, you've had to use every adjective you've ever heard of for the lowest lows and the highest highs. What what do you expect to have? Do you expect an even-keeled run to the deadline, or do you think there'll be more topsy-turviness to this this boat ride that is the order season? Well, I mean, they're, they're riding high. I mean, that's consistency in some way, right? I mean, um they really haven't uh, kind of done the whole win one, lose one thing very much at, or at all this season. So, uh, you know, there's little more than five weeks to the deadline. And by the time um, uh, they play their next game, it'll be just under five weeks. Um, 
or, or sorry, it'll be basically five weeks exactly. Uh, I mean, they, there's, there's not a lot of time. There's, there's a little bit. I don't expect things to go off the rails in any way, shape, or form here. Uh, I, I think it'll just kind of depend, again, on what they want to do, how much they want to add, and if they have the, the means to do so. Um, I think you're you're looking at this team being a being a, a cup contender, and then I guess you touched you asked a little bit about goaltending in your previous question. Now, I mean, um, the goaltending market's a, a tough one, and and Edmonton is usually a place where a lot of goaltenders that have that type of person, you know, move, no trade, no move production don't want to go. Um, yeah, I mean, Pickers played very well. Campbell is starting to round out his game in the minors. Uh, could provide a, a good third option for this team. Um, I think they just whatever they do in net, they just need to make sure that they are you know affording Stewart Skinner with with some downtime, uh, so that he can go on the playoffs uh, well rested and hopefully be a little bit sharper than he was in the crease uh, during the playoffs last year. So that's the main objective for me in the net, because whoever they get behind uh, Skinner probably isn't going to move the needle a ton at this point. It's all about Stewart Skinner and getting him um, as in the best uh, sh- uh, shape possible for for the playoffs. Thanks for this. Have a great great one. Enjoy the time off. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'll take care. All right. There you go. Daniel Nugent Bowman. Talking about that, I highly recommend it. It's up at the site uh, right now, and it's a really good insight. Now, Jackson is not going to give away too much, but he does give you an idea about what the working relationship is with Ken Holland, what the, what the thought process is, uh, and why... Knobloch was hired and how well he knew Knobloch before he was hired. There's a lot of good things in there uh, from Daniel. I highly recommend it to you. Okay, on the way, we're going to talk a little bit about your thoughts in terms of what the Oilers should add at the deadline and maybe a little on CFL as well. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. When I was a kid... That song was a big hit, but it was Peter, Paul, and Mary that I heard it. And I'm sure it was a hit before I was born, but it got played a lot in the 60s. They had oldie stations back in the 60s. They just weren't called oldie station. They were called middle of the road. I bet you didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you you live long enough and a bunch of stuff that isn't important is still embedded in your brain and you just spew it out. And people wait for you to stop talking and then talk about something interesting. Hey, Low Tide. I have really enjoyed the Calvin Pickard storyline. I'm cheering for him and have enjoyed the ride. I can't imagine this organization's cup aspirations may be a Stuart Skinner injury away from being in the hands of Pickard. He's been great. He's shown himself to be very strong number three. He's bought them time to solve the goalie issue, but he isn't the answer. Skinner's number one. Picard is your three. But it will be quasi-negligent if they don't bring in a solid number two option, maybe a Jake Allen sort. What say you, Don of the Lake? I think we'll find out in the next four weeks. They're going to play the backup, and that's Pickard right now. Jack Campbell is recovering. He's playing well in the American League. It's possible he gets recalled if Pickard struggles. Don't discount that. Um, I, I think we'll find out. I think they have, as I said, Pickard, Holloway, Perry are three guys that they plugged in. If they can play, if they can work out, then I think they'll stay. And then they will absolutely add a defenseman. My guess is that Pickard plays well enough for them to stay away from the goalie market, that they do add a defenseman, 
that Corey Perry is good but not great and that they feel like Holloway can fill in somewhere but maybe not center. My guess is they'll get a number seven defenseman, a right-handed center who can also play wing, and then I think that, that Kulak and or Connor Brown may be dealt. Dylan and Twang, not sure. Well, sure, Nashville Skyline. Lots of his songs have become country hits. And certainly Blow in the Wind is a folk song, but folk and country are, are you know, brother and sister. So, I mean, my friend Declan chose it, but I will defend his right to choose it. Yeah, I got some pushback on that one. It wasn't the twangiest, I'll admit, but I thought it fit into the uh, into the vibe we're going for. Well, look, you're you're you, you went rogue again. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom. I wasn't here to give you it. Uh, I did go rogue. That's true, but know. I thought it was okay. Well, I'm here. No, I, I appreciate what you said about defending me. That means a lot. I it's great. If you had played Lay Lady Lay. Mm-hmm. Lay, lay, lay. Remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. That was actually one of the options. It was between that and Blown in the Wind. I went with mm-hmm. Blown in the Wind. But. And he had a, a, a song that I love called uh, Girl from the North Country that you could definitely play. I'll, and, I'll know for next week. Um, I got seven days go, to prepare. No. Such a good song. And then also, you know, another one that you could have used is um, uh, Boots of Spanish Leather. Okay. Oh, it's such a good song. So you're telling me I basically just chose the wrong one? No, because I there think were a lot of options. Out I there. think you chose the right one. I think that it's okay. it's a little bit out there, but I I will defend it as a roots song. Okay. It's like if you played, um, if you played, <sighs> Bo Diddley. Okay. Okay. It, it's not country. All right. But it's a Roots song, and a lot of country is Roots. What about, like, Cat Stevens? No. <laughs> no, Cat Stevens. That's Cat, pushing it. Yeah, Cat Stevens is, is a, a very good top upper echelon popular music. Top drawer. T for the Tillerman. Do you have that album at home? I don't. No. I can get it, though. I'll sure. listen to it for you. Guys, what about Sisson's Glass, Corrali, or Toffoli from Low Cash? Sisson's gets mentioned a lot. Glass is interesting. I, I don't think they would go for him. Corrali, I think he's a role player. Toffoli would be the target there. If they need a right winger who can play on Leon's line, that would be the guy. I prefer Kalia because he would be less expensive to get, and you could sign him longer term. Hmm. You're going to have to help me here. Somebody says it begins a thing with Mark. Mark? I do believe they were answering Connor's text to them, which oh. was, what was your name? <laughs> so, And then they went into their okay, the so actual I, I was also going to comment on Santana Cover Band. I had mentioned that to Santana Cover Band. Uh, I saw them in Cancun at the Cancun Palace. They played, they played so well. I just, I was a little bit tipsy, I admit. But I was in the sunshine. I was with my girl. I was listening to the, the beginnings of Black Magic Woman. I had been drinking. I was close to the swim-up bar that I had just left, and I was thinking about how good life was as I heard those opening strains of Black Magic, Magic Woman. Two weeks ago, I saw... This is now uh, Mark saying this. Um, two weeks ago, I saw his drummer percussionist in a band with three percussionists, one drummer, and one guitarist, Derek Trucks, very famous name. The band was Mickey and the Miracles at a resort in Cancun. That is fantastic. 
just just on trucks alone, it would be worthwhile. It was a one-off concert for the band put together just for the festival, no doubt for the best percussionists on the planet. Totally. Like, absolutely. Now I am completely jealous of Mark. Just throwing this out there as a point of discussion to really understand how bad Con- Campbell's contract is, would you trade Holloway to get rid of Campbell's contract for a top six forward from Dean? It's possible they would do that, Dean. Because you, if you, here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing that Ken Holland and Jeff Jackson and Keith Gretzky and Brad Holland and all the analytics people, and who am I forgetting? Scott? Yeah. Scotty. Um, they're all in a room and they're all talking and then they have to make the decision. Do we trade Campbell with the first and Holloway to get the guy or do we trade the first round pick and whatever to get the guy and then trade Kulak and move Broberg in there? That's the thing. Like they, the, if you trade Campbell, then you don't have to trade Kulak. Low Tide likes Declan's musical choices as much as like St. Albert traffic lights from Martin. I only don't like the attack to anybody in St. Albert. We don't like when you sit there and you basically have to pitch a tent for 11 hours to get across St. Albert Trail. I mean, it just never changes. You just sit there. It could be 11 o'clock at night or Sunday morning at 7 and you're like, there's nobody here and the damn light won't change and you start to get angry. It's like when I talk about baseball. You know, come on. That sounded like whining. I'm sorry. Oscar Sundquist gets sent in as a suggestion every 11 minutes on this radio station. I heard Gregor talking about it yesterday. Somebody mentioned it to me yesterday. I did not mention it on the air, but it was there. If Marc Andre Fleury is available for a third rounder, we'd be dumb not to take it. Well, money is an issue. I understand that you're not totally sold on Stuart Skinner, but he's your guy. So you can't go get Flurry or Soros because Stuart Skinner's your guy. Country fans would love Little Ways by Dwight Yoakam from Husks. Well, pretty much anything by Dwight Yoakam would be good. But if we played like uh, Copperhead Road by Steve Earle, that's technically not country, but damn, I'd love to hear it. My name's John Lee Pettimore. I like my daddy and my daddy before. Do you know that song? I don't, but I feel like I know it now, just from that rendition. <laughs> it, it's a it's a rocker, is what it is. Good song, though. I don't even know if his name is John Lee Pettimore, but I think that's what he's saying. Okay, enjoyed the day. Daniel Nugent Bowman, great guest. Rod Peterson, great guest. Well done by you, Declan. Uh, tomorrow's show, Bruce McCurdy will join us from the Cult of Hockey. And don't forget, we've got a brand new feature, Duncan with Declan. Yeah. Oh, love it. Thanks for tuning into The Lowdown. Please enjoy your day. It's time for an update.